Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Advantage Over podcast. I'm Keith Lewis, your host, and you're very welcome to join us. Um, Thank you so much for all your great feedback um, on our interview um, a couple of weeks ago now with Mui Thomas. Um, Really inspirational um, story that Mui shared for us, and hopefully you all um, uh, took a little bit of something away from that into your refereeing careers and and supporting those around you. Um, uh, I was hoping to have um, some news for you in this episode about the forthcoming Rugby World Cup match official appointments and we're still waiting for those to come out of World Rugby Um, we know the decisions have been made but obviously they're um, having to roll out and announce those um, in their own time so we will find those out and we will bring you the news as soon as we get it Um, but in the meantime um, we have spoken to Richard Avery, who's the referee manager over at US Major League Rugby. I've got some really in, interesting insights for us about how that program's running and also his um, software package that him and his company, Advantage Rugby, have brought to the game over there. So hopefully there's something of interest for you in there. Um, do take a listen. Um, and as ever, we would value your contributions to um, this podcast. Um, if you've got law questions or queries that you want to ask us that we can answer, um, by all means, drop us a line. You can record your question if you like um, on your device, device, um, your phone, whatever it is you've got, um, to record yourself. If you want to send that audio file across to ref at rugbyreferee.net, we will answer those questions as best we can for you on an upcoming episode. Um, but similarly, if you've got things you'd like us to cover um, or if you've heard of somebody um, that you think has got a great story that can bring their story to this podcast and to your earbuds then um, let us know we're always um, interested to know the sorts of things that you listeners want to hear from so um, we're just obviously here to serve your uh, refereeing development needs so uh, let us know and we'll happily oblige um, one thing you can do between now and um, ne- between now and then, um, if you so desire, is to come over to our Facebook group, um, which is the RugbyReferee.net community. Um, again, a place for you to um, share your stories, share your experiences, ask your questions, ask your queries, um, talk about rugby refereeing stuff. So um, by all means, head over to there to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash RugbyReferee.net. So with that, let's head over and transition across into our interview with Richard. Thanks for listening. So joining us today um, is Richard Every, who's currently the referee manager for the Major League Rugby in North America. But as you can tell in a minute, he's not a Native American. Um, hailing from Durban and in, in Natal in South Africa, Richard's been involved in refereeing for quite some time um, on, on all sides of, of that geographical divide. Um, been through the USA National Panel as a referee before moving into administration um, and then through that as high performance referee manager for USA Rugby before the current role. Um, he's also been involved in setting up a new company called Advantage, which is a, a referee video software company with elite coaching services, which we'll have a chat about as well later on. Um, but obviously, um, as the match official manager in the North America, um, obviously was involved in the, the first incarnation of professional rugby back in 2016 as pro rugby, I think it was, um, and now in the second season of the Major League Rugby, which now includes nine teams from America and Canada, um, with two more sides lined up for next year, I think it is. 
Um, so we're a few weeks into the 2019 season, so we thought we'd see how things were going. Richard, you're very welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Cool. So let's before we get into the the major league rugby, let's go back to your career because you've you've been around the circuit for quite some time and got some background. How how does a, a fella from Natal end up in the US? <laughs> uh, my uh, wonderful uh, ex-wife is from the USA, so <laughs> <laughs> that's how I ended up here. You know, but uh, just looking back, I started refereeing back in 1985 already. You know, um, as a very young referee i think uh i was watching some six nations back in the early 80s and i saw uh clive norling and mm. i think he his uh his style inspired me to become a referee you know and i actually called the referee society and i was like i want to start refereeing and they were like how old are you and i was 14 and they said <laughs> nope can't do that but uh eventually when i left school i i picked up the whistle and, and that was back in durban yeah, back in Durban, 1985, and I still have a vivid memory of my first uh, match where I awarded no penalty kicks. No penalty because, kicks? Uh, no, I was just pretty much running around and wondering what was going on, you know. I think, did, did the um, game run you or did you run it? <sighs> no, I don't know. I really can't remember much else of what was going on, but um, I was never able to achieve that again to get a no penalty kick game that's, but, that's quite that's quite an achievement uh, i think i think wayne barnes talks about doing a a london welsh game where he did um a london welsh sort of old vets game once not that not that long ago where i think he got to, to zero and I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure nigel owens talks about wanting to do that um at some point but there was actually a game uh, it was was it edinburgh against munster it might have been where I think um, Nigel had no penalties in the second half. Ah, okay. There was certainly one in the last couple of weeks in the, in Pro 14 where they had where one side wasn't penalised at all, which I think may have been Munster again with one of the Italian referee, new Italian referees. But um, anyway, I guess we were going <laughs> to referee what's in front of us. So how how, how did you progress up through the uh, the refereeing ranks? Well, back then it took a long time to to get through the ranks. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of red tape, and I think it took me about ten years to get mm-hmm. to my Division One. Uh, ticket, which is pretty much was one game where they had five people watching you and you either passed or failed. So when I got through that, I think um, the following year, five people retired. So I was next in line to make it to the SA development panel. I got onto that and from the development panel to the provincial panel, which is like 21 to 30. And then the last four years, I was in the uh, top 20 panel in the USA until I emigrated in 2004. So um, that was really my refereeing career over there, uh, which is pretty extensive. I think I was seven years on the panel total and then moved over here and got into the USA panel for, I think I was only on it for one season Mm -hmm. before I was offered the position to be the national panel manager, which eventually transitioned into a a, uh, contract position. And then from there, it went to full time as the high performance referee manager. So. can you just sort of explain for, for listeners how USA Rugby in, or Rugby in, in North America works from a refereeing perspective? I mean, it's obviously such a huge country. What, four time zones to, to factor in? Thousands of miles from a geographical perspective. How on earth do you develop referees, I guess, from a, a single base around um, the geography that is North America? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's always a 
budgetary issue to mm. get people around. You know, I mean, even now with Major League Rugby, we we have referees traveling six hours to a game. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they got to fly six hours back again. So it was very difficult. We had in the beginning we had the Super League um, in the USA, which we had uh, national panel referees. Our budget was quite significantly bigger mm. for referees, which was all supported by USA Rugby back then. So we could get referees around. And we were actually flying around performance reviewers too. So um, it was quite a good setup. But obviously, as uh, budgets became more limited, it, it was a lot more difficult. And, you know, we have the competitions. We have a East Coast Elite Club competition. We have a West Coast Elite Club competition. We have the women's competition. And then we have college rugby. But uh, some of those, some of the college rugby is appointed by USA referees and it was always it's always very difficult to get across to everybody to get everyone on the mm-hmm. same page you know and um as we'll talk about a little bit later like once we implemented the video software system it's a lot easier for everybody to to get development together you know so where we are right now like the college competition we have about 75 people on a call every week you mm-hmm. know and we we normally have three referees presenting three yeah. referees and their coaches presenting and then we also uh, have like an online folder where we look at clips for the week and we, we share that with teams. So, you know, but mostly all of the games are videoed, yeah. you know, which obviously makes a difference. So it's, we're, we're able to, uh, the referee is able to just do their self-reviews if they don't have coaches on the games. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's been a, um, it's, it's been difficult to provide development for everybody across the board, you know, and what we're trying to do now that everybody's in the same system and are getting support that they be able to take that down to their local referee organizations, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they have access to the videos, they have access to um, all, all the resources now, which they can hopefully share to share with their um, local referee organizations as well. So it's sort of, I mean, obviously with technology, improvement of technology, we, we've created a, an environment where, a lot more people can be engaged and be part of it, mm-hmm. you know. So it's been it's been definitely been pretty good the last two years, you know. I think we've done more development in the last two years than what we've ever, ever done before. You know, it was a lot more isolated. Yeah, and and is that mean that you're seeing the pull through of referees stepping up into the major league rugby from a a, quali- I guess a quality a level of refereeing? Because when you look at the the announcements that you've made in terms of you've got your four core US referees and then you're bringing mm-hmm. others in, which we'll touch on in a minute. That would suggest that you're not you're not being able to bring through a consistent supply of referees. And we talked to Jamie McGregor from Australia um, last year on an episode of the podcast who tells a very similar story. It's that how do we get hold of them? And once you've got hold of referees, how do you develop them and get them to um, the elite levels where you obviously want them in your in your new role? Yes. Yeah, so the situation we had in the first season, we only had 31 matches. Right, so our referees were only doing about five or six games, mm-hmm. and I think that's always been the issue: is that we we didn't have enough games of that quality for referees to referee. And then this season, they'd be, you know, the core group of referees would probably be doing about twelve, maybe thirteen games each. Mm-hmm. So uh, the development will definitely increase. But I also think that uh, you know, going from the amateur club rugby or the college rugby we have straight into major league rugby is is a pretty big step. You is, know. That, is that a similar step? Thinking back to perhaps some of our South African um, listeners who who um, 
have that leap between the, the club rugby in in Natal and and the other the other regions the big gap between those lo- that local referee the top lower league levels go there's then a big gap between that and into the super rugby system and the provincial sides is that is that a similar approach yeah i would think you know if i could use like it's definitely similar if i could use an example say maybe from from england which i think a lot of people understand that i would probably say that the you know the college of club rugby might be at level four if you're lucky you know whereas major league rugby might be um around the bottom of level two okay or you know so i mean it's 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 a pretty big jump Mm. so so i think that 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 jump from level four to level two is huge for referees i mean as as you would understand in england too so it's it's really a matter of of our referees we're providing them as much support and development as we can Mm -hmm. you know and i think um what we would do and i was just thinking of what we would call it but we would have to apply something that we might call extreme development (laughs) (laughs) where we actually spend so much time with the referees to to develop them towards major league rugby that we would um you know just actually put a lot more resources into spending time with them. Well, maybe on, the, the Stellenbosch approach. We talked to, to Hendrik Grevenstein and, and Joya Clark, who uh, from both a coach uh, development and a referee perspective about how that experience works, but that's like a baptism of fire for those guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to have to be here as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we, if we take if, if we um, take across the top 50 college games and, you know, really push those referees into those competitions and, to to help develop them and also take some of the major league rugby referees to to work with them and the coaches you know so we, we we're going to have to expand our reach across north america as we look to develop referees over the next uh, 3 to 5 years so just from from the rugby aspect the, the the nine sides in major league rugby are they all fully pro now is that a fully professional environment or yes. is it a bit of a mix they they're all fully professional and I think I'm yep. right in saying that the, your four core referees aren't professional. Is that right, or are they contracted? Yeah, they 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 contracted for the for the full season. Yeah, but but they're not. Yeah. They have day jobs as well. So it's a. They do, they do have day jobs. Yes. In, interesting so. balance between getting that professional ethos built in without having full time officials. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a, you know it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of time before we get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so going through the process of um, developing referees that uh, also would have the capability to be professional referees. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we found that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you've you've seen it across the world that uh, you know some some referees get uh, they get the part time contracts and they they depending on a full time contract and it doesn't happen and they forgot to have a career. Yes. You know, to support them, and I think it's always important that you that you have both. You know that you you have something to fall back on. Sure. So uh, let's look at the the referee pool that you're using this year for Major League Rugby. You've got. Um, are we still calling Scott Green American? Are you claiming him as an American or his his obviously Kiwi background and Derek Summers and then uh, Paul Henri um, and Luke Rogan who from France and, and Australia, but are your four North American based officials? Is that right? Yeah. So Scott Green, he did all of his refereeing and referee development in the USA. Okay. So be, besides the uh, tattoos, you could say that he's, <laughs> that he's, <laughs> that he's American. Um, 
Derek Summers is from uh, Oklahoma, so he's definitely American. And then uh, Paul Henri Courbier is out in in Los Angeles, where he's uh, teaching at a French school. So he's actually um, childhood friends with Matthew Reynaud. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they grew up together, and uh, so he's definitely French. <laughs> and then you've got Luke, who I think's New York. Yes, so Luke Rogan is in New York. Uh, he's originally from Australia. So and already you can see there, you've got all all four of those are all all over both sides of um, the US, which obviously creates an interesting team ethic. So how how are you getting those four guys plus your your guests that we'll come to in a minute to operate as I guess a, a, an elite team? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting question, and you know it's an ongoing experiment that we go through is to get them to function as a group. You know, where it's really important for us that every member contributes to the group and I think what we did is we when we had our initial meeting in January is that we, we brought the group together um, to actually work out how you want to function as a group so I think that all of us have a very very clear idea of what it's of, of what we don't want the group to be like yeah. you know <laughs> I think we've all been in those situations yeah. where we feel that people tell us how, how poorly we perform uh, you know and uh, we really didn't want, want want that situation where you're sitting in a group you don't really want to speak up and and it's just a negative environment and uh, you know I mean that's really been the core of referee development over the over the decades and I think uh, what we wanted to do is create this environment where everybody takes ownership mm-hmm of their own performance, you know, so we really have, want the referees to have a really deep look at, look at themselves to understand, you know, when they do develop their individual performance plan, that they actually really get across of what their current reality is, mm-hmm. like what their situation is, especially not being professional, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to be aware of, of what it is, what success would look like for them over the season. And... But those, the, the, that success has got to be something that they control. It can't be, you know, success would be assignments, etc., because uh, that's not some that's something outside of their control. And then when they put the current reality and their success goals together, then they work on a personal development plan of how they're actually going to achieve those success goals through that, you know. And then from there we go through the competencies in the system where they they choose focus areas and then they build a game plan around it so it's a lot to do with personal development sure it's all done with self-review and you know when you're doing self-review you're basically um, comparing yourself to yourself yeah so your status always improves because you know because you're working on that i mean it, it might go down a little bit but you're comparing yourself to yourself and not to anyone else in the group I think you many know, people listening to, listening to this conversation probably in the car on the way on the way to a match or on the way home from a match or training for it, so they're thinking about that self review process. Is that something you've had to work hard with your um, with your amateur referees to to build a mindset to give them skills to to enable them to self review? It's really interesting because I think it's easier to do with amateur referees than professional referees. <laughs> you know, because I know that some of the other systems the referees are given all the statistics for the game. Yeah. And then they just look at the stats and they go like, oh, I had 16 penalty kicks. That was a pretty good game, you know. And then maybe I can go like, well, these three things were the things that that we, um, that we I don't want to do again or I want to change or, you know, we can debate. But I think what, what happens with our self-review is that the referee has to review the entire game. So they end up looking through the whole game mm-hmm. and, and, and they collect all the stats. 
So they're probably tagging about 90 things in the game, and out of those, they find their development areas. So I think it's easier for, for those referees to do it because it's, it's, it's a new environment for them. You know, and I think like what it, what it creates for them is an opportunity for them to, to look at the entire game and to really go to get a, a really like an in-depth idea of their performance in all areas rather than just going like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at, I made three mistakes at the breakdown, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, for, 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 for us, we don't really want to, the only areas we ever have in, in our games would be like simple things, you know, so the things that you would tag in red would be like, you missed a knock on, you missed a high tackle, like things you never want to do again. But everything else, whereas a performance reviewer in the old system would go like, this is a mistake, that's a mistake. Um, like maybe a player was boring in the scrum that you missed, tackled and roll away quick enough. Those are all development areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a little bit of a different approach from, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it makes it easier for referees to buy in because they're taking responsibility yeah. for themselves and that they can guide their own, their, their own uh, development, you know, and obviously we have the referee coaches who assist them. So let's, let's talk about development and how you're going to use some of the um, overseas referees that you're bringing in as part of, I guess, their development. Um, so you've got an Argentinian, a South African, a Welshman, a Scot, <laughs> and an English referee all coming over to spend a couple of week blocks with you. Um, over the next um, couple of weeks, or the, or the next, or the next few months, um, how, how how are you going to work that? It sounds a bit like a, like the beginning of a joke, joke. right? <laughs> but <laughs> I think with all the referees coming in, they also, you know, the five referees that are coming in are also referees that are developing in their own countries. Mm-hmm. So it it supports them as well. Obviously, the big challenge for them is that they're coming into an environment that uh, is very different to any uh, any environment around the world, you mm-hmm. know, especially especially with our approach, you know, the, the way that we're trying to create this culture uh, where everyone takes responsibility and and it's 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 okay to be vulnerable, you mm-hmm. know, it's okay to 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 say that I you know I got this wrong and I'm looking at changing this and it's okay to reach out for help. So I think from from that perspective. It, it will take time time for, for referees to, to generally adapt, especially considering that they all use different systems in yeah. the countries that they come from. You know? I, th- so, I think, is it Ben Krauss is already with you and maybe just had his first couple of games the last two weeks? How's, how's that worked yeah. out? Yeah, so, so, so Ben has had two games and obviously, you know, he comes as one of the more experienced uh, exchange mm-hmm. referees having done a couple of Curry Cup games. You know, I think, um, what's his name, the... Uh, Sam Grove White would have done a couple of Pro 14 yeah, games sure, when, he, yeah. when, when he gets here, so probably on a, on a similar level. So I think that, um, you know, ben, ben came out, he's obviously very experienced, you know, and I think it's, uh, he's, he's shown good progress over the two games. You know, he still has four games to go, so he's the one staying here for six weeks, mm-hmm. which is the same as the RFU referee, so it gives him a little bit more time. I think the three-week window is really tight, yeah. for you to be able to get across it because normally like the first game is just you just kind of like holding on and going with the game <laughs> yeah. you know and then after that you can start establishing yourself a little bit better but I think that uh, because we have such a small group the intensity of travel is is quite taxing on on the on the officials you know so they normally they would uh, referee and assistant referee on a weekend yeah, I saw that. I saw that looking at the appointments and and some of those games are quite spread apart so they're perhaps doing a Friday game and then traveling. To the to the Saturday game is that a, is that how yeah. you're working it through? 
Yeah, so some of them are, you know, there's Friday games, Saturday games, and Sunday games. Yep. So, you know, some of the flights are, are short, but if you're going, like, from New Orleans to Seattle, it's about a five-and-a-half-hour flight, you know. So it's quite significant. And we haven't even got to the uh, New York and Toronto games yet, mm. you know, which is completely on the East Coast. Indeed. So... And you made reference before to, to the referee coaches. I was looking down the, the management group that you've got working with them, and that's quite an experienced bunch of um, names that many listeners will be familiar with. So Chris Pollock um, from New Zealand, Steve Lander, Rob Debney from, from England, Andrew McMaster and Sean McDonough from Canada, and then you've got Phil Dunn from Ireland on an S&C perspective. Um, how are you using those guys with those the experience that that all brings to, to help the groups? So... My job is a match official manager, which uh, in short, you know, if you abbreviate it, it says mom. And sometimes I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is my role to a certain extent, you know, uh, with the, some of the things I have to deal with. But so Steve Lander's position is that he he's um, in charge of development. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he would coach. He's coaching Scott Green, who's one of the core referees, but then he's also coaching uh, Mo Chaudhry and Lex Wiener, who are the two development referees. Mo's just had his first game this past weekend. So his job is to to work with the development referees, so to, to bring them into the competition. And then we have uh, Chris Pollock, who's working with the Luke Rogan and Derek Summers. So And Derek Summers obviously has quite a few international assignments at the moment. Sure. You know, so he's working with those two referees to develop them. But what what Chris also helps us with is uh, he deals he works with the teams. So if the teams have issues and they, uh, you know, they they, they want to share clips and stuff, they, yeah. they they normally deal with the referee directly. But uh, Chris normally supports the referee. Great, yeah. You know, and if teams have, have issues that they want to discuss directly with uh, the management group, it normally goes through Chris. Yeah, obviously having his so, experience and background is going to be really beneficial for for everyone there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Rod Debney works with. Um, the French referee, Paul Henri Courier. And then uh, we have uh, Sean and Andrew who, who work with uh, the next three referees coming through. And then they also work with the international referees on exchange. And, and are they doing, are those guys doing that um, remotely or are they in the US traveling to matches in, in real time or is it depending on? Everything is remote for right. the referee coaches. Yeah. Yeah. But we have uh, Sean Pollock was up in Seattle on the weekend he's also doing some work up there so he was there and I think Steve Landers coming in for a weekend to work with some referees so and Rob Debney travels to the USA quite often you know and then we have Sean and Andrew who's close to Toronto so there will be some in person but most of it is done remotely okay so I I guess that brings us nicely into um, Advantage your platform and the, and the um the the technology side of things um how how does that come about tell, tell us tell us that side of the story <laughs> it's it's really funny because uh you know we always look at all the technical aspects of refereeing so i was always interested in the in the big picture of refereeing you know and less strategic parts so we're talking about you know big decisions uh pl- playing advantage really well um, contextual refereeing, empathy, materiality, and attaining balance in the game. And even though it was something that I developed over the years as a presentation and used clips as examples in that, I, I was up in Canada doing a, a presentation for Rugby America's North at the time, 
And I remember George Nicholson at the end of it, he was, he was like, well, that's fantastic, Richard, but how are we supposed to use it? Mm. You know, and I was like, uh, let me have a think about that. So I thought about maybe I should develop a system where we create competencies for referees. Mm-hmm. And then half of the competencies are all the technical, technical, tactical side of it. And then the other half would be the big picture strategic part, because I think it's something that we've never really um, presented to referees. You know, it's it's almost like it was like a trade secret. Work it out yourself. Yeah, yeah, that only the top referees have. So now we've actually like kind of put it on paper and brought it across as as competencies. And initially when when I came up with the idea, I was like, well, that's got to have a video element to it because, you know, you could never do a, con- uh, a strategic presentation um, or like the art of refereeing presentation without video content. Because mm. it's, you know, if you're just talking about it, nobody really knows. So it had to have a video aspect to it. So we included the video, the video part and the competencies and put it all together. And I think as, as we've developed over the last two years with Major League Rugby, we've brought in the individual performance plan and the focus areas and the game plan for the referees. So, you know, ultimately, I think the bottom line with the, with the system is that we wanted to create a system where you, you can become the referee that everyone wants on their game yeah. because <laughs> most of the time, you know, I think we've all experienced that we that referee that nobody wants on the game. <laughs> So we just turned it around. Yeah, well, you know, you never know. I think I think everybody's been there. Everybody's had that experience. And I think what we what I really wanted to to achieve with it was to create an environment where everybody has an opportunity to learn and to grow. You know, and it was really created for the uh, for the amateur referee Mm -hmm. initially, but we've we've discovered that it has potential to to go beyond that. You know, where you take responsibility for your own performance and that you can. Um, achieve success if you put the work in. So I, I was trying to think it through. So if people listening might be familiar um, in England with a system called Who's the Ref, which is mainly an appointment system, um, yeah. or with for those that perhaps at international level or, or panel level in some countries, the is it FPP, the AMS system, the Athlete Management right. System. Is it is, yeah. it is you is the system that you're building a sort of comparable with that, or is it entirely different, or is it kind of like a glorified? Dropbox area where I think people can go in and look at video content, share files and things like that. What's it, what's it competing with, if that's a, not an indelicate question? Yeah, I don't think it's really competing with anything. That's I was just out saying, it doesn't on, sound like it's competing with any of those things. On the, on the, on the market, yeah, because, um, I mean, AMS provides you so much information about the game, so you get into the details of you know, ball and play time, yeah. you get into the in situation of, uh, you know, the counting rucks and everything. And what we try to do is we just try to focus on information that's actually going to help you improve as a referee. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more referee driven. So you've, you've got the competencies, you kind of get an idea of where you are uh, and you can work that out with your coach and you go through that process. But you upload the video yourself. All right, okay. Yeah, so you create the report, you create your game plan, you upload the video yourself, you go and tag the entire video, you do your self-review, and the referee coach helps you. So it's all it's a, it's a lot more of a collaborative system yeah. where where everybody's involved. So you, you wouldn't just get your game and go go through the video and cut like eight clips and go like, you know, these are the ones where I, I thought I didn't do well. You know, um, we have a ranking system. So every single clip is ranked green. Right. And you know, if if there's something that's a development area, you rank it as yellow. 
and then obviously we, we discussed earlier that if it's a mistake you just a plain mistake that, that that you shouldn't be missing then it'll be red but you you can go back and you can look at all your yellow or clips in for instance the tackle mm-hmm. so you can look at the tackle you know and you can even additionally tag them as positioning so you can look at all your positioning issues that you have in a game and how you want to work on those and then you can also take clips and put them into a message board Right. Okay. So, so like every every week we have a folder with with the clips for the week, yeah. and you know that we discuss on on a meeting on an online meeting. So we we show all the clips and we discuss them what the outcomes should be. So everyone normally shares one clip of where they where they met something of their game plan that they did well, and then maybe two things that they want to discuss with a group yeah. to think if uh, you know if the decision should have been different. What we try and get referees not to do is to put on clips where they try and justify their decisions. Yeah. You know, we'd rather have clips that we want to make the group better. Sure. I was, I was going to ask about that. Sometimes these, these group conversations that you have as referees are more about proving yourself or making a point yeah. that you were right or wrong or not <laughs> exactly those points, depending on where you were in the system. Yeah, we try and uh, kind of guide them a little bit away from that because it definitely happens, you know, <laughs> where the referee would go like... You know, I think this decision was right and it changed the outcome of the game. We, we, we're not really interested as a group to, to, to discuss that because that's a discussion that the referee would have with a referee coach yeah. directly. You know, And if the team coach had an issue, then the team coach would be able to discuss that with them as well. But the whole system is is available to team coaches. Mm-hmm. So it, so in, in, our, in, in the Major League Rugby, all the team coaches can see all the reports. They can see everything. Yeah, they can see everything except the comments on the clips. Right, they okay. can watch all the clips, yeah. But uh, and they can see the game plan afterwards, and they can see the referee's review of the game plan and their performance, do, and and what the coach wrote as well. Do you therefore have a an understanding with the coaches, the club coaches, about how they use that material? Because is there not a, is there is there a danger there that the referees won't put things on there if they know that the coaches might use th- that to kind of beat them with a stick? either before a game or after a game? It's actually been quite enlightening that uh, it seems like it's quite a collaborative effort with the coaches, that they feel that they can benefit from it. And I think especially where the competition is right now, that the teams have access to see all the games. And, you know, they can watch scrums or penalty kicks or lineouts from all the matches, however they want to see that. But the way that the referee does their review is that they're mostly reviewing their game plan. So on the front, it'll be a description of, of uh, what their game plan was and how it impacted the game, mm-hmm. what what worked, what didn't work, and what they would do differently. So it's not really a performance review. It's more like a it's more like reviewing their game and their game plan. So just can you give listeners an, an example of what a, a game plan might be? So they're perhaps listening. If you're in the car listening to this conversation at Going going to your game this afternoon or or, or tonight. Um, what are the things that you you would find on one of your game plans for a referee going into a game? So a game plan would be more like a blueprint of how you're going to referee the game. So you're not talking about what the weather is going to be like or what the teams are going to be doing. You're talking about how you're going to referee the game. So to give you an example, for instance, what you want to do, like maybe in the first 15 minutes, you want to set a really good standard and make sure that you clear the tackler away. Yep from the breakdown, um, so that would be your process, and a trigger for that not happening would be slow ball yep. or or reduced space. So, you know, 
if you have that trigger that's, that's showing you slow ball or the trigger showing you that there's less space, then you know that you're not following your game plan, which is to clear that person away from the breakdown, you know. For instance, like um, a scrum example might be that you want to, you know, you're going to make your mark, hooker's got to be to the, um, to the left, get the alignment right, be patient, and make sure that they steady before each call, you know, and then once, once they've engaged, they're going to push straight. And your your trigger for that would be that you're not getting any you're not getting ball in ball out. Yeah. Right. So then if, they, if 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 that doesn't work, then maybe you'll go to the next plan, and your next plan might be that you're going to focus on one player. Mm-hmm. So you're going to focus on the loose head and make sure that the loose head's doing everything correctly. So if the loose head's doing everything correctly, and the scrum still goes down or or goes up, then it's possibly the tight head. Who's infringing? You know, so a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 actually setting yourself up to to be more successful. That 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 you have an idea of how you're going to referee the game. So you're not just going to go out there and go like, whoa, look at this today. You know, Uh, that you actually have very very specific plans in in most areas of the game. But you also don't want to like overload yourself. I was I was going to say, how how much is how many things would you expect in a game plan? I'm guessing three, four. Well, so what we have in this in the system is we have um, the competencies cover about forty, but the focus areas only cover three. Yep. So you're really taking it's an extension of the focus areas that you're taking into the game. Yep. And those are the ones that you're working on. And you know, even like after a couple of games, you might get across those, and you you might feel that you're pretty successful at them, and then you move on to something something else. You know, but it's not like your focus areas are going to change every week. Yeah, okay. I don't think that that that's possible because uh, it's it's ongoing development. Great. Well, that all makes a, a lot of sense. So, if if people are out there and thinking they might want to have a look at the advantage system, can can a air quotes normal referee running around in Australia or England or Scotland can they get into the system, or is this a something you're just rolling out? Yeah, so we've only it hasn't even been around for two years yet. Mm-hmm. So it was still in the beta version like a year ago, you know, and we've we've continued to develop it and uh we are looking at possibly in the next three or four months that there'll be a single user version available, mm-hmm. which means that uh, referees will be able to subscribe to it and then they will be able to connect with, with other people in the areas, you know, if if they wanna if they wanna share reports, etc., you know, so they can connect with friends. But the single-user version will probably be about another three or four months before it's available. At, at the moment, it's only available for competition. Great. Well, that makes a, a lot of sense. So if anyone's listening, yeah. we'll certainly put some uh, links in the show notes to explain where you can get to. And, and I've started to see lots of um, Advantage uh, content coming through Facebook groups and things like that. So I guess people can, can head over there and, and follow some of those quizzes and video content that you're, <laughs> you're streaming through there. Yeah, no, that uh, that that law exam was quite funny because uh, we don't we're not talking about the law exam. I definitely didn't do the test, and I definitely did all, did, didn't do it very badly in it. I thought it was really funny because you know when I when I first created it, I was like, oh, this one's easy because of course when you create something yourself, it's very easy to 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 know what all the answers are, or or even if you fabricated them yourself, you know. But then. Uh, after a couple of people started doing it, I realised it possibly could be the, the toughest law exam ever created. So, what, what was the yeah. what was the top mark? I so, so like for, for anyone who doesn't know, so Richard, you ran a, a what was it a forty question, 40, 50 question it test? Was Fifty questions. 50 so twenty five of them were true false. Based on the law book, so it was people were, yeah. were asked to go in and, and try and answer all the questions. And um, what was the top mark that you gave to the, the winner <laughs> in the end? 
It was 76%, but Seven. it was a 30-minute time limit, which is yeah. which is where it all came in. So you, you couldn't – it wasn't an open book test. Is it, is it still available? Yeah, yeah, it's still available. But still. There, there's probably another one going to come out in March. I know that um, – actually, Steve Axby from uh, from England was the one who got the highest score. But yeah, there were right. only four four people who got 70% or more. I was going to say I was not one of them, and I having having done it. So I mean, as someone who's been refereeing for for twenty odd years and, th- and thinks I know I have a reasonable understanding of the law book, it was certainly an eye opener. For well, um, I mean, if you look at that, I fought the law. The you know the weekly poll. It's, mm. I think I think it's only one out of seven where where the group has got it correct. I'm a, I, th- I think all this sort of content is really good for referees just to get the mind <laughs> to think about yes the law book says one thing but think about how we implement the law and how we referee the law is often a very different thing to what the book might say oh That's yeah yeah certainly certainly something for listeners to ha- to have a look at so we'll put the the link to the, um to all that in the in the show notes um richard thank you very much for joining us that has been a really interesting conversation covering both the um major league rugby side of things and the advantage um platform that you're rolling out we'll keep an eye on that over the next um couple of months and years as things go through thank you very much for joining us excellent thank you so much it was great talking to you thanks for listening to the advantage over podcast from rugbyreferee.net we hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week what we'd really appreciate is your likes rates and reviews wherever it is you found it whether that's itunes or stitcher radio or TuneIn. please head over there and leave us a review we really do appreciate those um, we'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, that about this podcast. This is the only rugby referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.com net website um, or through twitter at rugby referee net which is the same handle you'll find on instagram as well we're in all those places so please do let us know what you think let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future so for now that is advantage over <laughs>